Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Terry and Libby Ritchie. How are you all today? Good. Great. You're here. That's awesome. Well, we always like to start out with kind of a lighthearted question. That is, what kind of ice cream do you like? Do you have a favorite? Mint chocolate chip. Ever? Ever change? Occasionally. What would I'm have... usually disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know somebody also goes for mint chocolate chip, too. How about you, Terry? I'm a standard. I like vanilla. Oh, my goodness. Because you can't have any other ice cream. Without vanilla. Right. That's kind of the basic. basic. That's the foundation in which you have to build off of. And that's kind of like (laughs) Libby and I. The basic. The basic. You have to have a a firm foundation. That's right. uh, Vanilla is a good foundation, I guess. (laughs) Good foundation, second layer, and third. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Grayson, he's always has to have vanilla. I always want something different. It has to have something crunchy in it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Grape nuts or pecans or pecans. That seems a little too healthy, but okay. Well, we can go like <laughs> chocolate chunks. And... Well, uh, if. Each of y'all would like to just share about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay. Well, I grew up in the same house that we live in right now. Um, My great-grandfather built the house, so my grandmother, my mother, I, and our children all grew up there. Um, So our boys are the sixth generation. I'm the youngest of six, so I always say my parents got the best one last, but (laughs) that'll probably create some controversy. Um, I grew up Mennonite, so went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, had youth night, and so always grew up very much in the church. Um, Our family sang together, and so, you know, sometimes we were at other churches singing as a group and things like that. Three boys, three girls. Yeah, I didn't realize that, that you were in your same house. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that's where you grew up. Yep. Wow, six siblings? Three boys, three girls. Three boys, three girls. That was, that was a lot for that house, right? That's Yeah, we, we were kind of stuffed in there. <laughs> of course, by the time I came along, the oldest, the oldest child uh, was 14, so, you know, yeah. it, it kind of thinned out after a little bit. But um, it's, it's always been home. So, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we lived a couple other places. We lived in Harrisonburg for about six months when we were first married and then lived in Bridgewater for about two and a half years, I think, and then moved back into a trailer there. On the home place, and then in 1999, moved from the trailer in the house. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Very good. How about you? And I grew up far away in the metropolis of Bridgewater. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I lived in the same house for 20 years until Libby and I got married. Uh, it is approximately two and a half miles separated our houses. Mm. And you can walk that in about Three to four hours in six inches of snow. You know that from experience, I take it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, 
I, like Libby, had the foundation of church, church family, always being in my life. I've never, it's always been there. And that's good and bad. (laughs) But growing up, uh, couldn't have asked for a better home life uh, until we got to high school. And high school is when things kind of fell apart. My senior year, I got mono, and someone else and I were riding the Votech bus together. Mm-hmm. And we were, I had came back to school about a few days too early, and someone else on the school bus got mono. I don't know how she got it, <laughs> but... Truly, he does not know how I got it, trust me. But... All of the teachers and all of my peers at school knew how Libby got mono from me. And that they, kind of started yeah, they, the they whole ball. They thought they knew. They asked how, he, how I got it, and he didn't say anything. He just smiled. <laughs> we were not a couple, so I'm not sure how I got mono, but I got mono. It was all downhill from there. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, that summer, I was asked to come to Libby's house because she's a hairdresser and saw that I needed a haircut. Mm. And kind of like Samson. <laughs> <laughs> you can always get him with a haircut, don't you? Lost <laughs> all that power. <laughs> yes. Yes, she, Libby cut my hair. Not very much the first time. No, probably not. It was unexpected. How long was it? No longer. Okay, no. you didn't have like a long. No, no. You know, business in the front, party in the back, or no, like that. No, it was all. <laughs> no, it was all quite nice. Yeah. Nice haircut. It was a nice haircut, and it's been a nice haircut ever since. Now, Louie, I didn't know you did hair. I did. I went to MTC for it. Yeah, I did for a while. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it was completely an excuse because I had turned sixteen that summer and decided that I needed a steady date for the summer. And I knew Terry liked me, and I thought, hmm. And I thought, we'll go together this summer, and then I'll just... And people are going to think I'm horrible, but anyway. And I thought, we'll go together this summer, and then I'll just, like, dump him. And I just didn't... I just didn't... I just... It just never quite happened. But in May of that year, before he graduated, we happened to have a class together. And some silly girl in the class told him, because he wanted to ask me to prom, told him that if he asked me in front of the whole class, I wouldn't say no. So he did. And guess what happened? She said no. Told him I wouldn't go with him if he's the last man on earth. (laughs) 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 So so we went from there to July and then we were going together and then, you know, kinda went from that point on. A few years down the road and we were married. (laughs) Twists and turns. Never expect. (laughs) Wow. And that's a whole story within itself. Because it took three pastors to get us married. <laughs> uh, is there anything behind, uh, behind that we should know? You'd like to share, I guess. The, I think it's just because we didn't want to pick just one. We had yes. Um, one was my dad's cousin. Um, one was the pastor that I had grown up in church with, and one was the pastor who he and his wife did um, for us because we had a long engagement, had like a fifteen-month engagement, yeah, and so. Um, 
the pastor at our church and his wife actually did a year's worth of premarital counseling for us. Mm. Um, they had a book that um, we went through and they went through at the same time. So, you know, they answered the questions from their perspective and we answered the questions from our perspective. Um, I remember how odd it seemed when we reached 25, 26 years of marriage. And I said to him one day, I said, do you realize we've been married as long as Dave and Jan were when they did our you know, when, when they did our counseling and it seemed kind of weird. But, <laughs> yeah, so we um, we just we couldn't quite pick just one of them, and we sort of wanted them all involved. So. That's, that just speaks to relationship and the importance of the important places that they had in your lives. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone's that fortunate. No. Yeah. In fact, what you were talking about when y'all got to, like, 25 or 26 years, the revelation that the people that had counseled you had been married that long when they counseled you is yeah. just... In a recent message, Pastor Adrian preached about just how our, from James 4, you know, how we're like a mist. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And it just speaks to, you know, how we should just make the most of each day because we're not promised tomorrow. True story. Most definitely. So how many years have y'all been married now? 35. Wow. 35. We had our 35th wedding anniversary on September 6th Um, and of course Terry was in the hospital and I was sitting on the front porch by myself yeah not not the way I wanted to spend the day Um, but yeah our our anniversary was September 6th uh, Labor Day 35 years so I would say there's been a a lot of water passed under the bridge in 30-some years. So we we can fast forward, though, because yes. I don't want to miss just the importance of, I don't, like, God is always writing his story through our lives. And mentioned that you were alone that day. And over the last two years, we've learned what it is to deal with COVID. And so maybe let's just jump to that and talk a little bit about how COVID has affected you all. At the end of August, um, we had some flu-like symptoms. I was physically sick. Um, Libby and Josh had some... A little bit of fever, mostly cough, congestion. Um, And Caleb did not have a sign symptom. And so that Thursday, we went to outpatient and was tested and lo and behold we have COVID so I called my boss and told him that I had COVID and texted him and he said well you know the protocol of being off work for the next 10 days I'm like okay yes we can do that but then things began came a little foggy at least for me because on Monday the 30th I drove to Augusta House I remember exiting Interstate 81 I remember merging onto 64 I remember parking far away from the emergency room door because there are others who are going to be more sick than I, and I want them to be yeah, able right. to get closer to the do- door. So I walk into 
the emergency room. They say, how can we help you? I said, I have COVID. And they said, how do you know? Let me take your temperature. Well, they put the thermometer to my head and I pass out. Now, remember where I went to the hospital. So we had been checking his oxygen and his oxygen was like 83. And I said to him, I said, you've got to go to the hospital and I don't know if I can take you. So the next thing I know, he's grabbing keys, putting on shoes, and I'm going, dude, what are we doing? And he said, I'm going to the hospital. I said, well, you like me to call an ambulance? Nope. Out the door he goes. I grab his phone and hand it to him because he left in. So I called uh, just about the time that he got in the car to pull out of our lane. Um, the phone rang, and it was um, the girl from work because, of course, I was off work too, and I needed to go over with her the end-of-the-month stuff that she would need to do that, of course, I normally did. And so we were probably on the phone about 40 minutes maybe. And so I get off the phone with her and call RMH, get the emergency room. And I said, I'm checking about my husband. He drove himself to the emergency room. And so they, I hear click, 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 click in the computer, and she says, ma'am, we don't have anybody here by that name. And I'm thinking, okay, are we in the ditch somewhere between here and there? Have we passed out and crashed the car? So I'm texting him and texting, texting, and I can tell he's texting back. And so he texts back and he goes, I'm at Augusta. Okay. And I forgot my wallet. And I'm going, okay. Mind you, he doesn't remember any of this. Absolutely none of this. Once he passed out and he does not remember texting, he doesn't remember any conversation, he doesn't so I called uh, and got a hold of the guard, I think, was who answered. And he said, oh, it's all right. He said, we'll get it from him at some point. I'm thinking, okay. So I texted my mother-in-law, who lives right beside us, and um, put everything in a bag, wiped the bag off carefully, put it outside so she could pick it up. She picked it up and took it down. And so for the next several days, it kind of sounded like, you know, he was maybe doing okay. The calls I was getting from the doctor and the nurses were that his oxygen was up in the 90s. He sent me a picture of his lunch, which he doesn't remember. Um, he I'll, was texting coworkers, which yes, he doesn't remember. Yes. Technology is good. Yeah. Technology is wonderful. However, in this case... <laughs> he, he did not remember. I until, have. you know, I, had, I showed him his phone at one point and went, this was your lunch. And I was so pleased because they had gotten you to eat because I couldn't get him to eat. Couldn't get him to drink much. You know, yeah, it was just not good. So I was talking, I'm, you know, getting daily updates from the nurses. And his oxygen's in the 90s, so I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be okay here. And on the 1st, I get a call from the doctor, and he said, um, if he does not improve, we're going to be looking at a ventilator. And I went, wait a minute, his oxygen's in the 90s? He said, yes, ma'am, because we've got him on 100% oxygen. He said, right now we have him on a BiPAP. And I thought, okay, I know what a BiPAP is because he uses a CPAP at night. So I know what a BiPAP is. And I thought, okay, not so good. So then on the 2nd of September, uh, the doctor called and indicated he had talked with Terry, which Terry doesn't remember either. Yes. Oh, Um, absolutely. I said, go ahead, doctor, please. Go ahead. Let's let's do this. I have no idea. He he doesn't remember any of that. And so uh, the doctor called to get my permission to put him on the ventilator to put a central line in. Josh was still home at that point because he had COVID also and hadn't been able to go back to work. Um, so he was there with me. And the nurse called and 
using Terry's phone and um, let us talk to him. Um, she interpreted because I could not tell what he was saying at all. And the really neat part was that when he once he got to progressive care, um, I actually got to meet that nurse. She came in one day and introduced herself, and she said, I don't know if you remember me or not. So we, we got to talk to him, and then they called called back. I guess they called back the second time to get the permission for the central line. And um, about that time, my two sisters pulled in, and we're always together, but of course couldn't be together. So they sat on the front porch, and I sat on the window seat inside with the window up, and they were there for several hours that day uh, after they put him on the van. And most of the days after that were kind of just sort of the same. He's, you know, he's stable. He's, you know, they were they were working on not having to up the vent too much um, and keep him fairly stable. He had, had one day when he had a bit of a dip uh, in his kidney function a little bit, but not much, and they, you know, they... They got it under control pretty fast. But from that point, from the 2nd of September until the 19th of September, the days pretty much were the same. Um, I went back to work on the 13th. And then on the morning of the 19th, I had finally decided I was coming to church for the first time I, because I just, uh, my cousin had texted me a couple of times and asked if I was coming. I said, I'm just not sure I can sit there without him. So on the 19th, I was dressed. I was ready to go. And the phone rang and it was the doctor from there. And he said, um, we need to get him off this vent, and we can't wake him up. He's not responding. He's not responding to simple commands. He's not, you know. Um, he said, you know, we don't know how much damage there's been. And so, of course, you know, your mind kind of goes to, was there brain damage? Can he breathe on his own? Can he do anything on his own? And he said, you know, we need to do a trach. You know, should should we do that? Have you all talked about that? Going, no. I mean, who, you know, who talks about that? You know, it's it's not your normal supper time conversation. And so I said, well, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously we have to get him off the vent. So if that's the way we do that, that's what we do. So he said, um, well, why don't you, he said, you can come down and see him. And so in one of my previous updates that I had sent out, I had said, they won't let you in to see them unless things go badly. Mm. Well, not thinking about that, then I sent out a, a text just to a couple people and said, They've called me, and I can go to the hospital. I'll update you later. So my one sister gets this text. She's sitting in the middle of church, and then her phone starts ringing because my brother is calling, and she's just kind of flipping out like, okay. Well, it's, um. So I get in the car and proceed to fly down the interstate. Um, I was astonished to find at one point, I hope nobody's listening who shouldn't be, but I, I looked down at my <laughs> speedometer at one point and realized I am doing 90, and there are people who want to pass me. So I move over and let them pass and then pull back out and keep on going. So I get there, and, of course, you have to wait in a line to go in to say where you're going and, you know, have your temperature checked and everything. And so um, finally get up to the – they have him in the ICU annex, and um, so they let me go in the room. And I watch a lot of medical dramas, and I can tell you that ventilators don't look the same as they do, you know, on those nice little medical dramas. That's right. It's not the same. So I sat and, you know, held his hand and talked to him, and he kept doing this thing where he would open his eyes, but he just sort of stared at nothing. You know, there was no tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I finally, uh, the doctor, I happened to see the doctor go by, and so I went out and we talked, and I said, you know, when you say, you know, he's not responding, what are you saying? You know, I said, are you saying he's not going to be able to breathe on his own? And he said, oh, no, ma'am. He said he's been fighting the ventilator the whole time. <laughs> we just have to get him off of it. <laughs> Um, 
So that was the 19th. That was a Sunday. On Tuesday, the 21st, they put the trach in. And when I went in on Tuesday, he looked at me, tracked me with his eyes, could move his hands slightly. He could not get up. He could not, obviously, couldn't walk. He couldn't hold a pen. Communication was slim to none. Um, but he was determined to get out of bed. Because once they got once they got the trach in, by like Wednesday or Thursday, I came in at one point and when I was getting ready to leave that evening, and I said, um, he kept saying something, and I'm looking at his mouth trying to figure out what he's saying. And I finally said, help? And he said, yeah. And I said, help you what? <laughs> and he kind of makes this motion, and I went, you can't get out of bed. And he goes, oh, yeah. And oh, yes. Oh, there's a oh, nod. There's yes. a big nod, and I'm going, no. I said, honey, you can't come home with me yet. And he Nods again. I'm going, no, you really can't. And so when I got ready to leave, I said to him, I said, you have to promise me you will not try to get out of bed. I said, you cannot stand up yet. Um, Make up bed. Yeah. So when I I walked out, I said to the nurse, I said, you're going to want to put that bed rail back up. I said, because he really wants to get out of that bed. And apparently either that night or the next night at one point when she came in, he had managed to sling one leg out of bed and... (laughs) She came in. She's like, what are you doing? I'm going home. Oh, no, you're not going home yet. But from the 21st, once they put in the trach, um, he just continued to improve leaps and bounds from then until they moved him to progressive care. And then um, on October 3rd, we went from progressive care to a regular room. And then October 6th, he went to rehab and came home on the 20th of October. So you were going... Uh, 52 days and let's see 18 19 days that I did not see him it's the longest time I have ever been away from him 19 days so can we go back to September the 6th okay. <laughs> you're sitting on the porch life has just thrown you a curve that you never dreamed would come what does that look like faith wise I remember telling Teresa, I remember telling her at one point in a text, I'm at peace, you know, no matter what. But I would I would spend my time kind of flip-flopping between trying not to think about what he looked laying there, because, of course, I hadn't seen him yet, and trying my best not to pick out what I might pick for him to wear in case I had to. I think that for me, I'm the person that you go to when you need something done. Get out of my way. I can handle this, and I'll do it. Um, you know, that's right. You know, Absolutely. I mean, she I, does. You know, it's it's has. like, you know, let me help with this. Let me help with this. Let me make sure this is all good. Let me make sure, you know, whatever. And I think that one of the biggest things I learned in my faith, the day that he drove out of that driveway was, I'm not in control of this. And there is yeah. nothing yeah. I can do. I can't go to the hospital and sit there because he had he had issues with anxiety. And, and I knew it was going to be difficult for him. You know, I can't go to the hospital and sit beside him and explain to the doctors what I think it is that he might be attempting to tell you. I can't explain to you how if you do this, it's going to, it's going to get this reaction. I can't, you know, I can't be there. I can't fix it. And I fix things. I like to fix things. Yeah, I, I like to keep everything in their tidy little spots and fix them. 
And when he drove out of the lane that day, I thought, I can't fix this, and I'm not in control of this, and I have no control. And um, I think between that and the fact that for quite a few days, and then, of course, on the 5th of September, Josh's 10 days was up, so he went back to work. Mm. Um, So it was me and the cat. Um, And the cat hated me because apparently Terry is the cat's person, and Terry wasn't there. Um, And so, you know, I I would sit there and I would think, you know, the two things that I do, I can control things and I can fix things, and I can't. And now I'm sitting here alone, you know. And and there were people who came by. My sisters dropped stuff off. Terry's mom was there every day dropping stuff off. But you weren't alone, right? And that was that was the thing that I think I figured out the most was God can handle it. I can't, and I wasn't alone. You know, I would sit there. I would I would go to bed at night. You know, and you're just completely exhausted. And I'm not sure how much of the exhaustion came from the fact that I had COVID or that I was just exhausted. And I think that, you know, once he was in the hospital, it kind of just took everything. But I would, I would, you know, go to sleep, wake up in the morning and go downstairs, try and eat a little something, sit back down on the couch, turn on the message on Sirius on the TV. And just listen to the music, sit there with my phone beside me, and wait until 11 or 11.30 or 12 when the doctor would call. You know, have my afternoon thing and then do it all over again. And I think that for me, just figuring out that I don't have to be in control. I don't have to handle it. I don't have to make it better. I don't have to fix it. And that, you know, we 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 got the ending that I prayed for. You know, and there there were days when the only prayer that I could pray literally was, please, God, no. You know, and we got the ending that I prayed for. But there was a point in there when God made it abundantly clear to me that even if I didn't get the prayer that I wanted, it would be okay. Yeah. You know, it would yeah. be okay. Powerful and uh, just huge testimony of surrender because we're not in control. Right. He is, though, but it's a good thing that he's in control. <laughs> Absolutely. That is, and... Uh, it's a huge, also a huge testimony of the miraculous power that he has right. and that he did in Terry's life and uh, <clears throat> is still doing. And uh, just in the last minute or so that we have here, just anything else that you would like to share um, that you haven't already? Just kind of any closing thoughts uh, that you would like to share? For me today, looking back, it's, it's hard Because the things that I took for granted, moving my hand, sitting up, trying to walk with a walker, wheeling myself down the hospital aisle, Mm -hmm. thinking, is this how this story ends? Mm -hmm. But it's not. And I have to trust the Lord that he's going to give me the next day that I'm not going to see the whole path that I can take the next step. Mm-hmm. And so those little steps of first walking 40 feet has turned into two and a half miles a day yeah. is like, okay, God, what's next? What's next for us? Because trying to ask for ice chips and you cannot talk, your hand is so shaking that you cannot write anything it's worse 
than a preschooler or first grader. It's like you have to relearn everything. Absolutely. And it's amazing that in the human body, just amazing. You know, Terry, there was, I think the way this, um, this whole interview kind of come up, there was, I think, it might have been going Q and one somewhere. They ask something. They ask mm-hmm. a question. Do you remember that? Is it coming to you? It, 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 it's getting there. And I'm trying to think. It was. It asked a question about church. How people. And I, I was just trying to look it up. I couldn't find it. But they asked a question about how people felt about church. And I can't remember the exact wording of it. But you had a response. You came back and responded that your church family are, is the reason oh. that you're where you are because of the power of prayer. prayer. Right. When I left that afternoon, I knew where I wanted to go and I knew where I wanted to be. And that, to me, is ingrained in my vanilla ice cream in the foundation of I know where I need to be. I know where my faith is, and I know where I want to go. And I don't say that egotistically, but it's like a security blanket. It's a security blanket. That's powerful. Uh, Libby and Terry, thank you for joining us today. It's been great to have you, and uh, just enjoyed hearing you all share your testimony and the power of the Lord your life even in difficult circumstances thank you for listening to today's broadcast of hope talks we pray that as you've heard terry and libby ritchie's testimony today that it's been a half hour of hope for your life may god bless hope talks is sponsored by church of the nazarene harrisonburg in partnership with sunshine ministries thanks for listening to today's podcast of hope talks If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.